One Great Book, Volume 5, Book 5, Malibu Rising. Hey readers, I'm Ann Bogle, and you're listening to One Great Book, the short-form podcast from the team behind What Should I Read Next, where each week I pull one standout selection off my personal bookshelves and tell you all about it in 10 minutes or less. You're listening to Volume 5, our summer edition, in which I'm sharing new releases from our summer reading guide, so I can dig deeper into some of my favorite titles of the season, plus backlist selections that pair beautifully with each recent release. If you haven't yet picked up your copy of the guide, visit modernmrsdarcy.com SRG to download your copy today. There are several schools of thought when it comes to beach reads. Some readers say that any book you read on the beach is a beach read, whether that means a spy thriller or a book of philosophy or an unabridged copy of Les Miserables, which is a memorable book I read on the beach as a nerdy eighth grader. Others vehemently disagree, saying a beach read is an easy reading, page-turning, escapist novel that takes you out of your regular life. It might be hard to define, they say, but they know it when they see it, and likely candidates are thrillers, romance novels, women's fiction, especially the ones with the sky blue covers, or any book with a summertime setting. I'm loyal to the former definition myself, believing a beach read is whatever you want it to be. And yet when readers tell me they're on the hunt for a good beachy book, of course I know exactly what they're talking about. You might be surprised to know that we haven't always called books beach reads. The phrase is newer than you might expect, and it originated as an industry term. According to Michelle Dean, writing for The Guardian, the term came into usage in the early 1990s and was used by publishers to describe the mega bestsellers published that season. No matter how you define it, today's great book is undeniably beach read material. This already a blockbuster June 1st release from chart-topping author Taylor Jenkins Reid was one of publishing's most anticipated books of summer. The beautiful ocean blue cover features surfers relaxing on their boards. It's set in Malibu. Its characters are actors and rock stars and professional athletes. Much, perhaps most, of the action takes place on the actual beach. I'll read just about anything on the beach myself, so little did I know going in that surfers, rock stars, 80s pop culture, and a mansion going up in flames is pretty much everything I'd want in a beach read. And Malibu Rising is one great book. Readers, if you're looking for a way to keep track of your great books, I have a new reading journal coming out in September, and it's perfect for collecting your thoughts about what you've read, keeping up with your TBR, browsing seasonal book lists for inspiration, and reflecting on your reading life. Right now, if you pre-order the journal, you can get a sneak peek at some of those reading lists and a bookmark that doubles as a reading tracker that you can use to capture titles until your journal shows up. Order your copy of My Reading Life, a book journal, wherever you buy books, and then head to modernmrsdarcy.com slash journal to claim your bonuses. That's modernmrsdarcy.com slash journal. The setting is Malibu, 1983. The story opens the day of Nina Riva's annual party. Nina and her siblings are well-known in Southern California, and their party is the event of the season. It's always an epic bash, and the siblings themselves are notorious. Everyone wants to bump elbows with the Rivas. Nina is a surfer turned supermodel. Her brother Jay is a championship surfer. Another brother, Hud, travels the world with Jay as his photographer, and their baby sister, Kit, just might be the most talented surfer of them all, if anyone paid enough attention to her. 
But people aren't just interested in the Riva kids for their own sake. Everyone is interested in their father, the legendary singer Mick Riva. To be connected to him is to be interesting. Speaking of connections, there's a subtle connection between Malibu Rising and Reed's first historical novel, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, which marked a turning point in her career. The character Mick Riva, who looms so large in this new release, was a minor character in Reed's last two books. He is the third husband of Evelyn Hugo, and he also makes a small appearance in her 2019 novel, Daisy Jones and the Six, as a guest at one of Daisy Jones's wild parties. Back in the present day, the story's present day of Malibu 1983, that is, the Riva family's fans don't know that Mick has zero relationship with his kids. He hasn't talked to them a single time since he walked out the door when Kit was teeny tiny. The book is about one day and night in the story of one family, and Reed takes us through the days and nights events hour by hour. It's 7 a.m. on party morning when Nina is riding the waves, dreading the coming party that she's hosting, when we find out Hud has been keeping an unconscionable secret from his brother. We move through the events of the day when Nina visits the family's restaurant to check in, and the brothers buy beer and booze for their guests, and Kit invites a surprise guest to attend. We see when the party starts at 7 p.m., seemingly already out of control, and what happens when it gets really out of control by midnight, and how the family mansion ends up burning down by 7 a.m. when the book ends. And lest you think that's a spoiler, we know from the book's opening lines that somebody was going to set a fire and walk away. Malibu catches fire, Reed writes. It is simply what Malibu does from time to time. If the hour-by-hour timeline tells us what the Riva family is like now, in 1983, the second timeline tells us how they got there. And Reed does that by taking us through the years into the Riva family's past, beginning in 1956, when Mick and June met on a Malibu beach. They fell for each other hard and fast, and though June's parents cautioned her against an aspiring singer with dubious prospects, June had utter confidence in his talent and their future together. She proves to be right about one of those things. What those chapters reveal isn't good for the Riva family. Nina thinks of her parents' doomed relationship as a tragedy. Jay sees it as a comedy of errors. To Hud, it's an origin story. To Kit, it's always been a mystery. At 7 p.m. when the party starts, the storylines converge, and it's all party, all the time, from that moment on. It's a propulsive way of telling the story, because you know something is going to go horribly wrong in the present-day plot. Reed opens the book with the big teaser about the fire, so you're always anxious to get back to it to see how and when it's going to happen. The backstory has more of a contemplative feel, while the party plot is fast, flashy, and frothy in a way that feels right for a summer book. I read the advanced review copy of this book, and in it, Reed clearly outlines her themes in her author's letter, so I'm going to let her speak for herself. It's a story about fame and the objectification of women. It's a story about sibling rivalries, about parenthood, and about marriage, and the ways we repeat the mistakes of our parents. And it's all set against the backdrop of 1980s Malibu. Surfers and models, actresses and screenwriters, tennis pros and TV stars, studio execs and musicians, all coming together to lose control over the course of one evening. Let's talk about that 1980s Malibu setting. The details Reed contains are pitch perfect. Talk about sense of place. Nina bemoans the tabloid photo that pictures her coming out of the supermarket, smoking a Virginia Slim and carrying a six-pack of Tab. At a previous Riva party, Nina's neighbor Rob Lowe sang all of Jack and Diane with her other neighbor Emilio Estevez in her kitchen. One character dresses for the party wearing a sky-blue t-shirt belted at the waist with white shorts and white pumps. She tees her hair at the crown and rimmed her eyes in black eyeliner. 
She'd stolen the outfit idea from Heather Locklear, who'd been wearing the same thing on the cover of Los Angeles Magazine the month before. So far, I imagine this sounds like a fun, flashy story, and it is that, but the reason I enjoyed it so is the emotional truth it carries. What do we owe the people we love? What do we owe the people we love who let us down? How do our families shape us? How do siblings form and shape each other? Are we doomed to repeat the mistakes of our parents, or can we find a way to embrace the good while shunning their destructive legacy? Previously, this wasn't one of the summer reads I was most looking forward to, but I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being one of my very favorites. The characters, and there are a lot in this book, are well-developed and feel authentic. Each sibling is distinct, with a unique personality and voice. It's smart and fun, deep and thought-provoking, but with a locomotive narrative drive, and it's set on one of the most famous beaches in the world, complete with rock stars and surfers, and set in the 1980s. And while it has all those fun characteristics, the writing and character development remain strong and engaging enough to hold readers that tend to slant literary, but enjoy the fun of a beach read. It's also fun and beachy enough to interest a fan of what publishers pitch as more typical beach reads. I've got to give you a whole bunch of content warnings before we go. There is substantial drug use, severe alcoholism, childhood abandonment, infidelity, death and violence and destruction, and sexual content that isn't terribly graphic, but I wouldn't call closed door. This book reminded me of sibling stories I have loved in the past, like Commonwealth and The Dutch House. It put me in mind of old Hollywood books, like The Stars of Sunset Boulevard and, of course, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. It's got a little bit of a Big Little Lies vibe, and my mind kept going back to Rob Lowe's story I only tell my friends for that Malibu connection. In short, if you're looking for a page-turning family saga that has everything you could want in a beach read, or you'd like a book that falls under the beachy umbrella of compulsively readable literary fiction, Malibu Rising might just be the next great book you're looking for. Readers, visit modernmrsdarcy.com slash one great book to learn more about Malibu Rising and all of the great books from this podcast. And be sure you're subscribed in your favorite podcast player, mine is Overcast, because we've got more great books coming your way in this volume. I'd love to hear what you think about Malibu Rising. Tag me on Instagram at Ann Bogle. That's Ann with an E, B is in books, O-G-E-L. You can also find me there at What Should I Read Next? That's the title of my long form book podcast, where each week a reader tells me three books they love, one book they don't, and what they're reading now. And I recommend three titles they may enjoy reading next. We've heard time and again from readers that this is the podcast that reinvigorated their reading life. And we think you'll be glad you checked it out. Listen wherever you're listening to One Great Book. Thanks to Kellen Pekachek for his sound design on today's episode. Readers, that's it for today. Thanks so much for listening. And as Reiner Maria Rilke said, ah, oh, how good it is to be among people who are reading. Happy reading, everyone.